Welcome back to the Content Swap Podcast. You are joined by Parker and Aaliyah. And if you're new to the Content Swap Podcast, this is a podcast in which we discuss a piece of content that we were assigned for the week. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of it. At the end of the episode, we then assign a, another piece of content to each other for the next week's episode. And we have pretty much a week to engage with that content and then we yeah come back and we talk about it so before we usually dive into the content we like to provide an update on just life and how that's going we are not recording video again today uh we just didn't feel like it (laughs) yeah not sure what better how to better put it other than like it's sunday we're a little tired, and it takes a little effort to put the video portion together. Yeah. And we just wanted to, we just wanted to sit, relax, the end of the weekend, do a little bit of recording. So if you usually watch on YouTube, we're still gonna post on YouTube. You're just not gonna see us, and I hope that's okay. If you have any negative feedback about that, please feel free to write that in the comments constructively, and <laughs> we'll. Uh, We'll try to prioritize video a little bit more going forward. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if it's worth it. To to do video. To do video? I yeah. It's just I enjoy the the comfort of not doing video. Cause then, you know, we get to relax a bit more. We get to be wherever we want to be. It's not yeah. you know, we don't have to set up in a place to make sure the lighting's good and things like that and so we can be more relaxed and things like that. When I listen to the podcast, I always listen on Spotify. I never watch the video. Yeah, I never watch the video. So there's that too. I don't yeah. know. Nobody that I know in real life watches, uh, the, watches video. the video. They all listen on Spotify or whatever. Right. And every once in a while, we will get a comment on a YouTube video. Mm. And I'll be like, oh, that's nice. Like one time I kind of... You, I think it was during the initial D episode. Yeah. You were talking about how there was a character who basically had a sugar daddy, but you <laughs> thought that her sugar daddy was her actual dad. Yeah. And I kind of like looked at the camera. Yeah. When you were talking about like, her, she's got this weird relationship with her dad. And somebody commented like, oh, that knowing look at, you know, 32 minutes in or whatever <laughs> is so funny. And I was like, oh, that's, wow, that's like the one time. <laughs> Somebody commented on like something that they saw yeah. in the video of yeah. like an hour and a half long podcast. Wow. Um, I love that. Right. See, that's what I mean. If we had like engagement like that, then it's it makes it much more worth it to do video. Right. But I don't know. But I also like I don't keep track of the comments. So I like maybe there is something there's, and I just, I just don't know. There's not there are no 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 comments lately worth like yeah. discussing most of the comments that we have on our youtube videos are specifically on our rrr and abbott elementary yeah. video um <laughs> just because that yeah <laughs> that, that just like that episode did gangbusters yeah <laughs> i never expected that uh we got a comment last week on last week's podcast and it was a guy recommending uh an indian movie to us so oh wow like i mean that's yeah that's cool but it was like on last week's episode like that just we just kind of get those from time to time i mean i love the recommendations that's awesome yeah no i do appreciate the recommendations yeah Yeah. uh 
Totally. I just kind of wish like there was more engagement with the actual content of the episode. What we're talking that about. We're, that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I love that. I mean, if this person is listening, shout out to the Austin Powers impersonator uh, who yeah. <laughs> <laughs> reached out to us. Yeah. Really I, cool. I, the Austin Powers episode. Like, I, wow. I used a photo that I found on Google image search that it was not actually Mike Myers dressed as Austin Powers. <laughs> it was this professional Austin Powers impersonator. Yeah. And could not tell the difference. He commented on our post on Instagram, like, that's me. That's, that's not Austin, baby. That's me. <laughs> I know? thought it was a joke. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I, I looked deeper at it and was like, oh, oh my God, that is that him. That is actually yeah. him. Yeah. That's wild. And he was super chill about it. Oh, yeah. He's so sweet. Yeah. Uh, thankfully. He <laughs> <laughs> could have been like, take this down. Right, right, right. <laughs> um no it's probably like the highest compliment yeah. that like you we know didn't tell the difference. I, yeah yeah like i i think i'm putting you know an official image together yeah. and it's the it's an impersonator yeah like he's doing a great job amazing job right that's so cool anyway <laughs> um so yeah we're not doing video but yeah. as far as any updates uh, anything that you would like to update the audience on yeah i mean that's it not too much going on. I can't even remember what I last talked about last episode. That was like really only a few days ago. When we yeah, I know. We, we recorded it's, that one late. Yeah, we recorded that one on Wednesday. Today's Sunday. So yeah. Like four days. Yeah. Um, so since four days ago, not much has happened. Yeah. Um, starting to get back into the routine of things now that we're back where we live. I, as you all knew, before we left, I was working at a bookstore. I am still working for them, but like just kind of every other week for just one day. It's mostly just to like still be a part of their family. Nothing too like crazy because again, my internship got extended, so I can't do too much. Um, so it was interesting to be back and see some of the familiar customers that come in regularly and get to chat with them. But also I've been in a huge book slump and so I have not been reading for like three months and that makes me really sad because customers come in and they're like we know what's your recommendation what you've been reading lately or like regulars come in what you've been reading and I'm like nothing I have nothing to tell you I don't know what's out there I don't know what's going on I don't know what's popular I don't know I, I feel sad about that because reading is such a big part of my life so you're out of the loop. I am. I am. I'm out of the loop and that sucks. But I just like, I don't know. I'm just in the slump and I can't seem to get, find the motivation to get out of it. So I, being back in the store, I feel like kind of, there was a little spark of like, oh, like I, I want to go home. And I want to read something. But at the same time, I was like, but what do I want to read? Like nothing sounds appealing the only thing that sounded appealing was just some like I just want a really easy like will take me a day to read cheesy rom-com and I'm hoping that maybe if I read one of those it'll get me out of that book slump and then I'll want to read something of more substance <laughs> no offense to the rom-com industry I love rom-com so you know they have their time I love them I love them they're great palate cleansers but yeah, I'm like, I just, I think I need something easy and low stakes 
because yeah I think that's what I'm struggling with I think the the book that I left off on is a tougher subject and also it was like very drawn out and I think that's what kicked off the book slump was just like I don't know it was just a lot and also nothing (laughs) a lot and also nothing that sounds like Final Fantasy 16 (laughs) which I will get into later but yeah you know I think it's really interesting that you work for a bookstore and people come in looking for recommendations I mean like that is that is a that's got to be like a cool feeling like people who used to work for blockbuster or like video rental places i guess like like that that type of experience like from a job doesn't really exist anymore for people that love movies or like i really love games like games are my books like you love books i love games if i wanted to be recommending games to people i'd be working at gamestop which is (laughs) not where i want to be working um but you're having this experience like getting to work for a local Mm -hmm. bookstore Mm -hmm. and a lot of people like to read books and they want recommendations and i think that's yeah that's really cool so hopefully me framing it that way um it's cool and it's challenging because i like i like books I don't like all books. So there's genres that I'm just not well versed in. Mm -hmm. And so you get a person who's like, oh, can you give me a recommendation? I'm like, cool. What kind of books do you like? And they're like, historical fiction. And I'm like, I got nothing for you. (laughs) Like, I I don't read historical fiction typically. So it's like, oh, you might want to talk to this person because they're like, that's their whole thing. They love that. Or like you get like younger folks, like someone who's more into YA. I don't really read a lot of YA because I'm just like, not that I'm too old for it. I, there's some YA books I swear by, some YA series that I just love. But I just don't typically go for them. So it's like a little bit harder and I have to like find a younger employee <laughs> to like help them out. But what I do love, I do, I like a challenge. So I do like, especially when it someone's like, oh, because a lot of times people don't, people like anything. They're like, oh, I like all genres. And it's like, okay, well, like, what's a book that you love and they're like oh i really loved this book with something that's like that i'm like cool okay i know what this book is about let me find something similar and it's always really hard when you get a customer who's an avid reader mm-hmm. because they've read everything mm-hmm. so to find them a new book they haven't read is impossible well, that should be <laughs> their job but it's fun it's so fun because you're like okay this is a challenge like i have to find you something that you haven't read yet so you're like, you either try to find something that's really, really new that just came out or you try and find something so obscure that they've never heard of that's kind of like flown under their radar. Um, and it's always fun to find like the ones that are more obscure. But I, I like that. I like that like kind of challenge of trying to find like a perfect book. But then you have the fear of like, all right, if you don't like this, don't come don't come back at me like, yeah, this is well, terrible. I mean, they're, they're accepting your recommendation <laughs> right. with their with their money. Right. <laughs> um, and that's on them. You know, they yeah. made that choice. Yeah. But I mean, for the most part, people are, they're great. They're awesome. I mean, I've never had anyone say anything bad or like, it's the best. It's so great when someone comes back in and they're like, that book you gave me, I loved it. It was so good. Do you have another one? Like, right. that's the best i love that feeling what do you think it is about books that keeps people wanting to buy physical copies of books for example 
like nobody wants to buy physical movies or mm-hmm. video games anymore because they can just buy them digitally but yeah. you can also buy books digitally mm-hmm. but we still like to buy physical books and that's kind of yeah. part of what kind of keeps this in-store recommending experience alive that yeah. um you know that that it doesn't for those for those other two mediums what do you think it is i think it is still a tough industry because i think a lot of people now like audiobooks Uh. um but i think in terms of like if someone is if someone doesn't like audiobooks and they want visuals like the visual words i think when it's easier on the eyes to have a physical book than to look at a screen i mean now you have like kindles you have kindles and stuff like that which like make it more like paper like I yeah guess. they have like a special screen yeah. that makes yeah. it look like paper but it's like at that point i don't know it's, it's still not the same right and so i feel like i just like to flip the pages yeah like i feel honestly the I, smell of the books i feel like it is kind of like a therapeutic thing like there's something mm. about physically turning the page yeah because like for me it's like i don't like sometimes i just Especially if I don't want to spend money on a book because I'm afraid I might not like it and I don't want to invest like the $30 for the book, then I'll just download it on my iPad. But like when I don't have that physical book, like I like to know like how far I am into the book. It's kind of hard to tell when you're just like, that's like, a good sure, point. Like, yeah. sure, I'm like 100 pages into 300, but I like to see that, like yeah. the thickness of like how much that is or like what that looks like, you know? Hmm. And like I like to turn the page or like see. I don't know, just like see yeah. what it looks like. That makes sense because nobody's saying like, oh, I love the smell of my CDs. Or, <laughs> <laughs> or saying like, oh, I love yeah. taking it out of the case and putting it in the console. Yeah. That's my least favorite thing to do. <laughs> so yeah. that does make sense. I don't know. I just, and I like carrying books around with me. Like I used to, like all last year, I always had a book with me when I went to campus and I was always pulling out my book and I hated when I was reading a book on my iPad and I had to carry my iPad with me on campus. I hated that. I was like, I want this as a physical book. Why am I carrying my dumb iPad around? (laughs) I mean, if I was going to read a book on a device, it would probably be like something more Kindle size. The iPad is like a a full iPad is pretty big. Yeah. But you know, like iPad mini, seems pretty ideal yeah i don't know it's just like it's not the same well yeah no i agree it's i agree it is not the same yeah and i i love buying physical books but i no longer love buying physical games yeah i mean i like seeing my books on my shelf and i kind of like seeing my physical games on a shelf but not enough to be like (laughs) i want to open those up and put the cd in every time (laughs) because it's like uh yeah but it's also like people like and not to say that you should buy books just to like show them off to people. Like buy books if you like want no, to have I that like, book. No, I like yeah. it when people come over and they get to see all the exactly. books that I've read. Yeah. Exactly. Like I feel like books really show your personality. They show who you are. They show what you enjoy. Like they show what you find entertaining. Like they, sh- I don't know. They just show like what you like to escape to, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's like not everybody enjoys reading books, but we all know how to read. So like <laughs> my point being that like anybody can read a book. Not everybody I mean, can just like pick up a video game and find it enjoyable. Like whether not you everybody like everybody can read a book. Right, 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 but like whether you like to read a book or not, you are going to have to read in your life anything. 
Yeah. You read the news, read your email. You have to read. And that's yeah. all that reading a book requires you to do mentally. Yeah. And I think that's that kind of speaks to the accessibility of that medium that also uh, allows it that, I guess, just general appreciation mm -hmm. to where having the physical copy is like something that you can share with anybody and they'd yeah. be intrigued you know yeah like grandma's not gonna be intrigued at my ps4 <laughs> collection no. you know yeah that's yeah there's that but yeah i don't know i love books i love them so much they're beautiful yeah um aside from that the only other thing that's good is, book talk yeah <laughs> the only other thing that's new is i played venba venba Sorry, I feel like that came out of my mouth. Venba, a Venba. video game. Yeah, a video game. Did you did did you not talk about this last week? Did I? I don't remember. I don't know. Maybe I did. What day did you play it? I don't remember. Because I we recorded four days ago. I know. Let me look at it. Hold on, I can do a quick little search. Did I already talk? I might have already talked. I'm about pretty it. sure you talked about it. You you talked about how. Yeah, no, you talked oh, about yeah, it last four week. days ago. Yeah, you talked about it last week because you talked about how Krista on the Kitten Krista podcast oh, that's had played right, it. that's right. Anyway, okay, scratch that. <laughs> Pretend I never said it. We started playing Unravel, um, Unravel 2. 2. Last My night. My suggestion, just so everyone knows. Yeah, that was your suggestion. I was like, let's play a co-op game. It's been a long time since we've done that. It let's... is a co-op game, yeah. and I, I like it a lot, I actually. I like it a lot, too. It's fun. It is fun. It's cute. It is. It's Yeah, it's cute. It's, we get to problem solve together. Yeah. I think I would, like... The levels are cool, but once they busted out those challenges, portals, yeah, yeah, those portals with the challenges, where it's like you were just trying to solve like a quick puzzle, but it's they are not quick. Well, they are it's, hard. It's like it could be quick if you know how to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Like you could solve yeah. it. You could re you could reasonably get through it in you know like a minute or two. Whereas the levels are like no matter how quick you're going, uh, yeah. it's going to take you at least 15 minutes, right? Yeah. So, but it does take you a while to solve the puzzle. Yeah. And that's, that was really satisfying. Like yeah. us doing that whole like repeat yeah. the same strategy until been, we get it right yeah. together. That was fun. I've been thinking about that one puzzle where we just sat, we just sat staring at it like, how do we, How do, we this? do this yeah yeah <laughs> and we we sat that the like fact that we were so determined like we were not budging we were just like we didn't want to use the hints and we were like how do we do this i was Where's like if we don't do this right now i'm gonna be thinking about this all day tomorrow yeah and we figured it out we did figure it out on a whim yeah it like the solution didn't even feel like it should have been the solution <laughs> um but it worked yeah and what i liked too was like there was a time like you you figured out that one but then there was like a time where like i figured out something and that was really helpful for like one of the challenges i don't know it just felt like we like both equally yeah figured out things yeah and it was really nice and i love that yeah that's a good game definitely recommend anybody who you know likes couch co-op games and wants to collaborate with their uh collaboration with somebody else <laughs> in the same room uh yeah, yeah no, that's that's a great game for that just yeah. like it takes two yeah i'm excited to keep playing more of it yeah it 
also seems like it's going to be very depressing and deep and like i don't know yeah, what the I don't story know. is i don't know about the whole like story aspect of it i just like the gameplay yeah like i don't know not not every game needs to have some deep message yeah like i just i'm just but i am like gameplay. are you not curious about like what these like little like ghost flashback things are not really i'm like i'm just like what's going on because it doesn't i because to me that like depressing stuff does not fit with like a yarn creature doing yarn puzzles it so like there's just such a disconnect there for me where i'm like "Uh, i'm not really here for this i just want to do these yarn puzzles i mean it seems like the story centered around a child and their upbringing or whatever's going on with them so I get why it's like these like little yarn dolls, but right. like. But I'm not gonna recommend this game to somebody. For I mean, no, not for the story. story. Yeah. No, but I am just like, what is happening in the background there? Yeah, <laughs> because it's just like, it's kind of wild what's going on in it, the background. It does seem, yeah, it's it does, a bit intense. It does seem intense, yeah. Yeah. So. I yeah. almost kind of take issue with that being so intense because like. What if somebody wanted to play this game with their kid or something? And it's like yeah. the subject matter that's happening in the background that you don't even care about because you just want to play the game yeah. is too intense for your child. Yeah. It does seem a bit much. But, I mean, maybe don't play with your child, but play with your partner. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's... Or your maybe the puzzles are so complex that it's like your child would just struggle. Yeah. So <laughs> Honestly. I mean, like, well, the levels themselves are just... Because you're just kind of like sliding and jumping and it's just kind of like swinging yeah it's not that's not too hard but the The mechanics are a bit tricky like it's a lot to digest mechanically i think with the Mm. with the yarn and the like climbing up because you have a yarn between the two characters yeah and you can like grab that yarn to then swing like one person could be stationary the other person could jump off the the edge and swing from Mm -hmm. the uh, the main person as like the the fulcrum is that the right word Mm -hmm. um of the swing and like that's that's pretty neat like there's a lot of gameplay options that go along with that um i guess that's true i still don't have the swinging quite grasped Yeah, no. It it's, took me a while to just realize, like, to just let go, like when yeah, I yeah. when I'm done swinging. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I, I. That's why I appreciate the puzzles that are put in there because you have to inherently get good at the game in order to do those successfully. Yeah. And I think like the your ability to play the game has probably significantly improved just from us doing those puzzles for like when you play the next level. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I recommended it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to play more of it. I have like a backlog of just co-op games because I enjoyed us playing It Takes Two so much. And I was like, I just want to, you know, relive that experience. <laughs> and so like anytime on TikTok, some, a, a TikTok pops up that's like co-op games to play. I'm like, oh, let me write these down. Like, let me let me document these. Well, now I'm paying for Game Pass again on my Xbox because you wanted to drive the Barbie car in Forza <laughs> Horizon 5. So, um. I'm sure there's great. I'm sure there's a ton of uh, co-op games on there as well that Perfect. we can dive into that what without at no additional cost, you know? What's Portal on? What console is that on? Oh, po- well, uh everything. Oh. But I don't own it. So oh. got to get it somewhere. Yeah. But they they made a Portal 1 and 2 collection for the Switch, which mm. like if it and it was very Are highly rated. Are they both rated. co-op or just one? Just Portal 2's Two. co-op. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but 
yeah, the the companion collection or whatever it was called on the Switch was extremely highly rated. So if it mm-hmm. if it runs well on Switch, I may just pick it up on the Switch. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna keep my eyes out for more co-op games. Nice. I love co-op games. Nice. I like them when it's equal contribution. When you're actually having to collaborate, not yeah, not when the, I'm just following you around. Right. Not when the uh, what we call the little brother mode. Yeah, I'm not about that life. Like, what a waste of my time. Yeah. <laughs> but when it's like you're forced, you I like when you can't do something without my help. Yeah. That's when I like it. Yeah. I think any going forward, if we do play any games that have co-op features where it's like the little brother mode um i should be the little brother and you'll be the main character you'll be player one i'll be player two i don't think you can handle that uh if it's a game that i've played already i can handle it oh my gosh that's no fun well like luigi's mansion 3 for example i want to give this game to you in october um but like the, you, there's Luigi and then there's Gooigi, which is Luigi made out of goo. No, I'm playing Luigi. Yeah, you play Luigi. Yeah. I'm going to be Gooigi. I've already played this Gooigi. game. Gooigi. Yeah. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for that too. Um, Everybody that I know who's played it with two people really enjoys that game. So yeah. And I played it just by myself and did not like it Loser. that much. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is more fun with a companion. Who played Gooigi then? I did. I switched between Luigi and Gooigi. That's no fun. Well, that's what you're supposed to do when you play it with one per- one person. It's that's like That's not fun. Luigi just stays stationary and then Gooigi does his Gooigi stuff. Um, but if you play with two people, then it's just like engaging the whole time mm. for everybody. Nice. Yeah. Gooigi. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cute. <laughs> It was, yeah, it's pretty cute. It's, it's, a, it's a smart idea. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I can't wait to see what Guichi looks like. It's, it looks like Flubber. You remember Flubber? Oh my god! Yeah, I it looks love like Flubber. Flubber, but in the exact shape oh. of Luigi. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Too cute. Uh, anyway, anything else to update on? That is all. All right. Um, yeah, my update this week. Just before recording, I finally finished Final Fantasy 16, and I'm so happy to be done. I wish we had that sound effect that was like, yay. Like, da 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 <laughs> Or like, yay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm so happy to be done with that game. It, was, it took me 37 hours, which is just... It just it needed to be a shorter experience overall. Uh, as I've said multiple times, extremely great big moments and extremely horrible slow small moments. I think it just needed to shave down the small moments significantly, put a little bit more into those small moments so that the player just stays engaged. Because when you see the big moments, it's like, okay, clearly a massive chunk of the budget went into this, but like so much of my time, like 60% of my time is spent on this small stuff. And if that stuff sucks, then what am I spending my time doing? So, uh, yeah, very happy to be done. I did not expect to finish it this weekend, but I picked it up yesterday and just kind of kept playing it and got through a significant portion to the point where it felt like, hey, if I just keep this up, I can actually finish it this weekend. Yesterday and you were like, 
I'm 80% of the way through the game. And I was like, oh, great. And that was at like, in like first thing in the morning. Yeah. I was like, oh, cool. You played for like what felt like hour. Was it yesterday or Friday? I don't know. You played for like hours. Yesterday. And I was like, oh, he's gotta be about to finish because you didn't like same you did I thought, all these I thought things so too. and then you clicked out of it and it was like 82 percent. and yeah. i was like are you kidding me <laughs> well, yesterday <laughs> I, we need to talk about this percentage thing because this is this is actually a big problem um <laughs> because yeah yeah yesterday when i picked it up i was at 66 percent, and then by the time i finished playing yesterday i was at like 83 percent, which is 17 percent in in one day which meant i had 17 percent left but then i finished the game today and when i finished the game it said i was 90 percent done and the reason for that i found out was because i played the demo for this game which the ps5 recognizes as a separate piece of software and that the demo is like the first three hours of the game which technically in the story encompasses the first 10 percent so when i played that and i carried it over the game started at zero even though i had already done 10 percent of the game so this whole time i was like i've done so much it I've got to be further than like 82%. It feels like I'm right around the corner to the final yeah. boss. And you tell me I'm only 80% done? Yeah. Like there's still more. And that was really like discouraging. Making, it was discouraging. Yeah, yeah. It made the experience feel like, oh my God, like we are almost, we are cl- so clearly at the end. How is this game going to still be giving me like 10 percent more yeah and that which wasn't the case yeah and and that just really kind of i guess like exaggerated that feeling Mm -hmm. of like this is taking way too long yeah what do you mean i'm only at 89 percent when in reality i'm at 99 percent like i'm right there you know yeah so that's it's an interesting tale of mm-hmm. user experience and why that's so important to get right. Because yeah. in my experience, I was really looking to that percentage feature on the PS5 to tell me yeah. like where I was at in the story. I mean, I was looking at it and right. I was like, bruh. <laughs> right. And for this like little demo glitch to, yeah. to get through and like... Is that you know, a glitch or is that typical? I, that's I mean that's not typical because oh. not most games don't have like a demo that then can like carry gotcha. the story over into like the yeah. main game. Square Enix specifically does that a lot, mm-hmm. but um, most games don't do that. So mm-hmm. it's a very like very specific situation to this game. Gotcha. But I think like just regardless of that feature, ha- like you know messing up my experience to a degree Uh uh the game still was too long Mm. so anyway but i did come to really enjoy the combat system by the end because yesterday morning before i started playing i watched like a tips and tricks video and it made me realize like i'd been kind of going about it all wrong and i kind of wish the game had done more to tell me that i was doing it wrong um because once i got that down i was like oh there's so much more variety in what i can do than i think that i can um so to discover that like i really quite enjoyed playing it the past two days which was a nice change of pace from like dreading playing it for you know two months Mm -hmm. um so yeah the game 
turned out better than I expected. I still have it out for those small, slow moments because like, seriously, like what, you know, I just, what were they thinking Mm -hmm. (laughs) on those parts? But, but overall, I do think I am going to look back on this uh, positively, but I'll never play it again. Mm-hmm. So, gotcha. Yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of it. Uh, that's the only game I've actually played in the last four days. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's I suppose that's my update. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Um, can I take a bathroom break? Uh, sure. <laughs> go go okay yeah i'm going to try and fill the space during your bathroom break um so dear listener uh here i am um i'm gonna talk to you about i've been watching some of the dc movies that have come out recently so DC has been making movies for a while now in this connected universe, and there's this whole thing going on where they're rebooting all of it. Supposedly, the Flash movie that just came out, uh, what, a month or two ago, two months ago, was supposed to reset everything. I still have not seen The Flash, but I did watch Shazam! Fury of the Gods uh, last night, and I gotta say did not really like it that much and I didn't think I was gonna like it that much but then it made me think like it was something that I finished it last night I didn't necessarily watch it last night because I've been watching it before I go to sleep and just falling asleep to it because it's just you know something to play in the background fall asleep to so I finished that and now I'm going to watch Black Adam doing basically the same thing but once The Flash is streaming, I think it's supposed to go into streaming on August 25th, which is in five days from when we're recording. I will actually sit and watch that. I'm not going to fall asleep to it. Um, but yeah, uh, and then Blue Beetle just came out this weekend, and I might go watch that, but I might also might not. And we also watched Transformers Rise of the Beasts. In general, like, just kind of trying to catch up on all the blockbuster movies that we did not see that uh, came out and kind of realizing why we did not see them. Yeah. Yeah. They were not good. Oh, you're back from your break. I am. My apologies. (laughs) (laughs) My bladder is not what it used to be. (laughs) All good. Yeah, I talked about shazam too <laughs> and that regrettable experience <laughs> okay ready to get into these assignments yes i don't know what's first uh last week we talked about uncharted 4 first which means we are talking about your assignment first this week so okay that would be reservation dogs so, uh, yeah, to start things off, I was assigned Reservation Dogs. It's on Hulu. This is a show, and the show follows a group of Native American teenagers living in Oklahoma as they navigate their day-to-day life, and they have dreams of saving up their money, moving to California, but that goal overall seems pretty secondary to the show just establishing its characters and their relationships and kind of taking this slice of life approach to just you know what is their life what are what kinds of things do they experience and 
you know, who are the people in these people's lives. And that's kind of the overarching plot that I've been able to ascertain five episodes in. They, it's got three seasons and they just had their final the third season was the final season. Mm-hmm. I believe the first season is eight episodes, second mm-hmm. season's eight episodes, and the last season is four episodes. Something oh, I'm like not that. Sure. I that's what I saw on Hulu. Okay. Second season might could be could be ten well, episodes. Well the third season might not be over because it started early this early this month. Oh it did? Yeah. Oh that's okay. My bad. Um didn't realize that. Uh, it looked like it was done, but that's just like... I mean, I could be wrong, but it did come out August 2nd, I think. Oh, okay. So it just came out. All right. Yeah. Scratch that. I just don't know anything. Um, (laughs) but yeah, having watched the first five episodes of the, you know, eight episode first season, uh, I feel like I got a good sense of like what the show is. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, 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 the group of teenagers is... There's uh, there's Bear, Alora, Dannon, Willie Jack, and Cheese, and they each kind of have their own thing. So, Bear, for instance, he sees himself as the leader of the group, and he lives with his mom, and she's just trying to make sure that he's happy. He's got a dad, but his dad is a rapper that lives in L.A. and is generally just kind of like a crusty dude that can't be relied on at Not all. Not crusty. I know. <laughs> Zay. Um, sometimes Bear has these like spirit visions from one of his ancestors and those are pretty fun and just kind of like simple and silly to just kind of like tell him like what he needs to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Alora Dannon seems to be the only one. She She's the only one in the group that seems actually serious about moving to California. I don't know a lot about what her home life is like yet, but I suspect that probably plays a big part into why she wants to move to California. Mm. She did have like a weird uncle, right? Was yeah. that her uncle? Yeah, that yeah. was her uncle. She had a weird uncle that he like knows how to fight people. <laughs> um so we learned about him because Bear wants to learn how to like beat up the rival gang because mm-hmm. uh, they beat it, him up. Um, but yeah, not not a ton on Alora Dannon at the moment. Mm-hmm. There's also Willie Jack. She knows a lot of people. She seems to have a lot of family that do a lot of like specific things like make meat pies or make ne- uh, necklaces. Mm-hmm. And she's overall just kind of like a funny kid. But same thing, like don't know a lot about her home life. And then there's Cheese, who may be my favorite of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, he just kind of goes with the flow. He's got this <laughs> chill attitude. He like goes for a ride along with the local police officer, and he's like want- wanting to be a detective. And he's just like a funny l- little kid, you know. What I absolutely love about Cheese is anytime he introduces himself, he goes, "My pronouns are he, him, his," and yeah. I'm like, I love him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a cutie yeah he like says that to an older guy and the older guy's like oh hey same (laughs) (laughs) like an absolute sweetheart yeah precious boy um yeah there's a part in the second episode where they're in like a they're in a health clinic and he's walking through the halls and this older woman is like son is that you and he's like oh grandson grandson yeah Yeah. and he's like oh and he he just kind of goes along with it (laughs) yeah he like (laughs) And he just, like, keeps her company, mm-hmm. and he, like, takes her outside, mm-hmm. and he's like, God, it's my grandma, guys. But it's like, it's not his grandma, <laughs> you know? 
Um, say so he's just a he's a charming little guy. Yeah. Uh, there's also there's just a ton of side characters too. Like there's Bear's mom. There's Big, the police officer that uh, that Cheese went on the ride along with. There's the salvage yard guys. There's these two uh, two dudes that are always riding their bikes around mm-hmm. that just kind of like show up and are like, hey guys, what's up? Um, <laughs> they're also rappers. They're also rappers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love them. They're and then so there's funny. a and then there's a rival ga- uh, gang of teenagers that always seem to have it out for these guys. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that's that's kind of the basic setup. Like I said, like there's no real like overarching thing that's driving the plot forward it's Mm -hmm. really just like their lives i would say the closest thing that there is that would be i guess motivating characters is this california Mm -hmm. moving fund Mm -hmm. um and it seems like from where i'm at like laura dannon is going to the fact that she is the most interested and most serious about moving to California, like it feels like that plot point is going to come to fruition at some point, mm-hmm. uh, potentially drive a wedge between her and the other characters mm-hmm. a bit more. It's like slowly, like she gets upset every time they spend money because she, you know, wants to go to California and mm-hmm. they're like, well, it's our money. Mm-hmm. And so that's the closest thing there is to an overarching plot overall, but it's not the, the main focus of the show isn't like how are we making money today you know Mm -hmm. yeah um so overall my thoughts i do like this show Mm -hmm. um i don't i don't know how i feel about the lack of focus Mm. like that's not necessarily bad because like slice of life is its own thing its own genre um and that means like you could just kind of put something on and just with it be mm-hmm. present mm-hmm. uh not looking for something specific it's just kind of like what are these characters gonna get up to today and that is nice and i do actually well now that i've said that i think that actually makes a ton of sense for how to approach the show because it kind of turns the primary goal of the show to shedding light on the native american experience mm-hmm. and we don't get a lot of stories that are told from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Native Americans are usually just kind of like some side character mm-hmm. that has to fulfill some kind of specific purpose because they're Native American, mm-hmm. which is not a good place, like not a good box for mm-hmm. people to be putting Native Americans into. Mm-hmm. So it is interesting to watch a show that's just like straight up, just like, here's the life of people that live on a reservation and you know the struggles and experiences that they have and allows for there to be humor in it yeah 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. um and i do i do really like learning about the characters and their relationships Mm -hmm. everybody is charming in their own way Mm -hmm. um i will say well before i just made that profound point about slice of life being the perfect way to approach the native american experience in media um i was going to say like that i guess it yeah before i was thinking that i was thinking about how like if i recommended the show to somebody i don't i wasn't sure what i would say to make it sound like interesting and worth Mm. watching Mm -hmm. as for someone's time Mm -hmm. because most people are 
looking for like oh like the main characters go on this quest to do this or they have Mm -hmm. to go do that Mm -hmm. oh that's really interesting um so i was kind of like struggling with like how would i explain the appeal of this show to someone Mm -hmm. but i just from speaking out loud i think i found it so yeah Yeah. the appeal is that like we don't have anything like this there is no content that's like yeah the experiences of native american people indigenous people let alone like this is the first this is the first piece of content the first piece of entertainment the first tv show to be written by like directed by acted by nothing but indigenous people and so like that in and of itself is the reason to watch it like you know like it's like this is awesome. This is something so different. We don't, we haven't had this ever. Like, it's so cool to, to see what they've created and to, you know, get a, get a glimpse of, of a, of a world that exists, but that like, we don't see. Right. You know, it's, it's an experience that, you know, is lived in parallel with our own. Yeah. We just don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. And, most of how we learn about the experiences of other people is from like either speaking with them and like knowing people who live that experience mm-hmm. or watching it in some form of media or mm-hmm. reading about it or you know something like that and we all so, know that that's not the most accurate <laughs> in terms of like like learning about this in history oh right has right not right, been right told in the most accurate way <laughs> like like you got to think about like what we know about it if it's not coming from somebody who is indigenous, who has shared the, shared their experiences, most oftentimes has been told in a way that has not been yeah the correct pers- the perspective or from the perspe- yeah from the a perspective, perspective is biased towards exactly. you know the colonizer exactly exactly um, and and yeah so it's just it's so important to to shed light on this experience and to, to have these voices heard. Um, I, one thing I wanted to mention though, in your, in your description of the plot that I think is really important is kind of the very beginning of it, which you, you lose it a little bit in the kind of like the middle of the episodes of the season, but it comes back pretty heavily second season. Um, but it's the fact that they're, friend daniel died oh that's right yeah they Um, did mention that they had a friend daniel that died yeah who was actually willie jack's brother oh um i think i have that correctly willie jack's brother um and trigger warning uh i think it's mentioned that it was suicide I'm pretty sure it wasn't so what really should have been a spoiler warning sorry spoiler warning too yeah my bad i thought it was mentioned in this season i yeah no i didn't know anything about that okay my bad i might be wrong too double someone double check me (laughs) (laughs) i I thought it was but anyways but you start to see it in the beginning all they say actually now now that you mention it all they say is like this place killed him that's you they don't say they don't specify no okay my bad i'm sorry i'm a little so i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry um anyway (laughs) You start to like it. It is impacting them all very differently, right? And hard in different ways. 
And I think right now you're not seeing it, but as you keep watching, it starts to kind of unravel a little bit um, and you start to see it more and more. And so like your point of like, well, right now there's not really this kind of like plot, like you're just, you're seeing like slice of life. It starts to become a little bit more focused and you start to like dive deeper. And like you mentioned, like you don't really know too much about people's home lives. You start to see that a little bit more. Um, Yeah, and you start to like, peel back the layers and really see these kids as you get into it um that's yeah i mean that's kind of what i figured was going to happen um like with this approach it's it kind of gives every character room to have their own kind of like backstory revealed Mm -hmm. um you know it's not going straight into Mm -hmm. like here's everybody's backstory now proceed um it's like it's just placing characters Mm -hmm. in situations and slowly you spend more time with some characters Mm -hmm. than you're normally used to spending time with and you learn a bit like about why they are the way that they are yeah for sure yeah so if that sounds interesting to you, check out Reservation Dogs on Hulu. <laughs> it's fantastic. I absolutely love this show. I love it so much. It's so good. I, yeah, I'll keep watching it, especially with like the shorter episodes. Yeah. It's not going to take that long to finish, so. No. It makes me so sad. I wonder why they're only doing so, like they did so few seasons. And I, I truly hope that once this final season wraps up that this is not the last we see of any of these actors like oh yeah i hope not i really hope we see them in more things i hope there's more stories like this like i just it will be such a shame if this is all that there ends up being and i mean i can't i can't imagine that this is it like i can't imagine like we would go back to not having any, and I mean, like I think about that like new Leonardo DiCaprio movie, which I hate. <laughs> I hate to name it as like the Leonardo DiCaprio movie, but yeah, I can't even call it the Martin Scorsese movie without it. <laughs> I but forget it's the like, name of it. Yeah. Yeah, but it, but it, uh, Killing of the Flower Moon, I think it's yeah. called something like that. Yeah, um, and I'm not too sure what the plot is, but yeah, I mean, it, it focuses on this group of Native Americans who the the land that they live on is rich with oil yeah and they get they like get rich from the oil but then you know the white man being the white man mm-hmm. is like i mm-hmm. i want some of that oil mm-hmm. for myself so that yeah. i can become rich yeah and so they come to mm. wreak havoc yeah. on the uh their the this native american community so that they can get themselves rich which that's not the story of america i don't know what is yeah um well yeah well i i hope that there's more space in hollywood for indigenous writers and creators and directors and actors to be able to like share their stories share their knowledge share their way of storytelling like with the rest of the world and like just to have the space to to yeah to just like share their awesome things that they have to share (laughs) because i want to hear it i want to consume it like 
Yeah, you've been yeah. saying for a while now, like for a few years, like you want to learn more about I the do. Native American experience. I really do. And like, I honestly hate that I still have not like invested the time in doing it because it's just like, I don't know, it's just so important to like, I just feel like they often go so overlooked and just like, like their way of knowing is just like so marginalized and just like discounted and it's like for what like why it just like makes me so upset (laughs) because I'm like they were here before anybody was like it, it doesn't make any sense to me like it just frustrates me that people came here and was like we're just gonna take everything you have and then like we'll give you permission to like live in this little space and like we'll give you these things and just stay here like I'm like what (laughs) yeah (laughs) like it just baffles me and I'm like I just I want to be I want to be the best advocate that I can and the only way to do that is to educate myself and so that's what I need to do and I need to take the time to do it and stop talking about it and just actually put in the work um so that's what I'm gonna do (laughs) but yeah so hopefully I get to that very soon well, any facts that you have? So I don't have too many facts. Um, like I said, this was the first series ever to have all indigenous writers, di- directors, and actors. Um, it is entirely shot in Oklahoma. Um, and the only other fact that I have is that Bear's address is 1491. And that's because Christopher Columbus came in 1492. Oh. So 1491 was like the last year that you know, native people were thriving on their own before colonization and all of that happened. Uh, so, you know, dang, that's rough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's That's deep. It is deep. Yeah. So that is all that I have for reservation dogs. I wish I had more facts. Um, but yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. Check it out. Reservation dogs. It's worth a watch. Definitely worth a watch. It's at, at first I was kind of like, what's the what's the like what's the point behind what I'm watching? Mm-hmm. Um, but once I got, it is not hard to get through these episodes. Yeah. And once yeah once we got far enough, I was like, oh, I like this. Like I like I want to learn more about yeah what's going on with these characters. So, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It'll have you crying. Like it'll have you just like wanting to give every character a hug. Like it's just so good. It makes you feel all the things. Yeah. Watch a few episodes. Check it out. Yeah. All right. Would you like to move on? Yes. I forgot. I have to say things now. <laughs> All right. Have fun. <laughs> it's okay. I have a ton of notes. So at some point during this, I'm going to also be saying a lot of things. Gotcha. All right. So I was assigned The Raid Redemption, which came out in 2011. And this is. That came out in 2012. Everything I saw said 2011. Okay. Go on. Um, so this is an Indonesian film that follows a guy named Rama, who is a rookie on a special elite force that's kind of basically like SWAT team, um, that takes down bad guys as like a SWAT team would. Um, and so him and his team are on this special mission to take down this like huge drug slash crime lord named Tama, um, who owns this apartment building and allows other criminals to basically like seek refuge there. And so the team manages to infiltrate and get into the building um, or infiltrate the building, 
But soon after they like get into the building, they basically get busted um, by a kid who screams like police. Um, and so this leads to Tama, who is like watching everything that's happening on a bunch of screens at le- on like the 15th floor or something. Um, he makes an announcement basically telling all residents to like kill these police officers, kill these the SWAT team for free rent for the rest of their lives which like low-key i was like free rent <laughs> i'd be out there tell me where they're at that's that's what you said while we were watching it. i was like the way rent prices are nowadays like i might get out there oh my gosh <laughs> no i would never but i would consider it maybe for a brief second um so yeah so because he is offering folks free rent for the rest of their lives if they kill this SWAT team they're like heck yeah um, so this basically leads to like a whole John Wick situation where like everyone is after these SWAT team guys and tons of people on both sides. So the bad guys and the SWAT team um, are dying. They're just like murdering each other. Um, and because Rama is just like so smart and gifted at martial arts, uh, it basically becomes up to him to save like re- the remaining SWAT team members that have not died during this whole fiasco. Um, and so that's kind of what we watched throughout the whole movie. Um, but something to note uh, is that we do find out that one of the SWAT team members named, and I might be pronouncing this wrong, Wayu. Uh, uh, yep. Yeah. He basically like led the SWAT team into this death trap. So this was not like an official sanctioned mission. Uh, he actually set this up for his own benefit. So he was trying to get a promotion, but like the police is basically corrupt. And so like he was never going to get that promotion. Uh, so all this was really for nothing. And he's responsible for all the blood that was shed. Um, and we also later find out in the movie that uh, one of Tama's like main henchmen, uh, whose name is Andy, is yeah. He's got he's got two henchmen, Andy and Mad, Mad Dog. Dog. Yeah. yeah. So Andy actually turns out to be Rama's brother. <gasps> Rama, um, the main character. Yeah, our main character. Um, uh, and Andy's pretty nice. He's pretty good too. He helps him out in the end. Uh, and so yeah, so that was cool. Uh, but basically by the end of the movie uh, Wayu ends up shooting Tama uh, and then another trigger warning uh, tries to shoot himself but does so unsuccessfully because he ran out of bullets Uh, and so then that basically leaves Wayu, Rama and another SWAT team member which I forget his name I didn't write it down Dagu yes they are the last oh 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 oh, no my bad no Dagu got killed my bad (laughs) Um. Yeah, the other SWAT team member. I forgot his name. <laughs> yeah, another SWAT team member who was very severely injured but still alive. Uh, they are the last remaining. Bowo. There we go. They're the last surviving SWAT team members, and Andy helps them leave the apartment. Uh, and so they, yeah, survive. Uh, why you? I think gets arrested. Uh, well, um, or like, let's see. Rama leaves with Boo and Wayu, and that's kind of it. That's oh. like they walk out, 
And Andy tells them to get in contact with this guy, um, Boonwar. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I was like, I had to look up a synopsis online because I like couldn't remember some details. And it said that he, why, excuse me, why you got arrested. And I was like, I don't remember that happening, but let me write it down. (laughs) Uh, not really. Okay. Um, they lied to me. Anyway, that's essentially the movie. Um, so overall, I loved this movie. It was fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Sweet. Yes. I might have mentioned this before in a previous episode, but I love a good, simple movie where there is one setting and one objective. Mm -hmm. And that movie is just like, we are going to stay in this one place until this objective is complete. I love those kinds of movies. And so the fact, yeah, the fact that this was that kind of movie, we're in this building, we have this goal. It's just like survive and possibly get this bad guy if we can. Like, that was great. And it's like action packed from the minute that it starts to the minute that it ends. Um, I loved it. It was so great. Uh, Like I said, it gives off John Wick vibes. I love John Wick. Um, This came out before John Wick, as as I should point out. I believe it. Yeah. Um, Gives off John Wick. If you you like John Wick and you have not seen this movie, check this movie out because that's the energy it gives, but with much better combat. Um, No offense to (laughs) Keanu Reeves. Um, But yeah, much better combat. There's like like we mentioned this is a like martial arts movie it's not just martial arts there's a lot of like guns <laughs> like shooting um and at first it was heavy on the shooting and i was like you said this was a martial arts movie but then when the martial arts kicks in mm-hmm. it kicks in and it's like full martial it arts for the rest hard. of the movie yeah. yeah and like we joked around and we were like those stuntmen are dead but like literally they were like they had to be dead yeah the, <laughs> the fight sequences dead. are so intense and hardcore that yeah. it's like yeah i don't know how they could have filmed this without literally killing people <laughs> literally <laughs> i'm like they this is the best performance ever like how did they make it look so real without actually getting injured like dying like it is crazy and like the the way that it's shot like you you mentioned at first i didn't notice it but you mentioned like because there's parts where like they're they uh like um make a hole in the floor and they like jump through, through the, the floor, yeah, yeah and then they jump through the hole and like the camera goes through the hole too or like the yeah. camera will go through a window when they gump like jump through a window and i was like that's really cool like you're like it's like you're a person there yeah so i actually did find a piece of trivia on this they they shot it with the camera like on the ground like documentary style Mm. you know the camera is never like high up looking down at people it's always like ground level yeah um which yeah it does give it this very like grounded feel they also like they didn't shoot it with a steady cam um to also kind of add this feeling of like like realism realism yeah Yeah. interesting yeah it it was so good i yeah i just i loved it um i also want to mention so like what i uh, loved about this movie is the main character and like for me like i said in another uh episode and i think this is 
I don't, I don't remember what episode it was, but I was talking about how, like, if you're going to give me an action-packed movie, I have to care about the character. Mm-hmm. Like, and if I don't care about the character, if the story, if the story's not there, I have a really hard time with it. It might have been Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here the story, the storyline's, like, the plot's kind of like, eh, you know, it's like typical plot. Yeah. It's not as special. But like Rama's got a, like a pregnant wife at home. So, you know, yeah. like, but here's the thing. You don't want him to die. Here's the thing. Because like, really, there's not a lot to Rama's character. You get a really quick glimpse of his personal life in the first, what, one minute. Like they briefly show his wife and you see that she's pregnant and he's like doing some push-ups or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that's so brief. Um, And he doesn't have that much dialogue. But I think what makes what they do effectively that makes you care about the character that made me really care about the character that like made me sold on the movie is like he has these really brief moments of how he treats others. And it's juxtaposed with how other people on his team is treating that same person or other people on the team are like talking to each other so for example there's like a guy who is just a resident and like he is obviously not a bad person he's just trying to get like into the building to get his wife medicine and rama's like night like the other guy the other swat team member is like being rough with the guy and like trying not to let him in and rama's like yo like he'll just like he'll stay with me like calm down he's a resident we'll get into his room or whatever We'll get into his apartment. And it's like a small moment like that being juxtaposed with like how the other guy reacted made all the difference. Because like, like I said, there's not much dialogue. There's not enough given to me of like who Rama is and like why I should care about him. I love that Rama's like good naturedness to those around him is also being juxtaposed with his ability to straight up murder people. (laughs) I know. know. He was just (laughs) crushing them. There are are two amazing um, hallway fight sequences in this movie where, yeah, he is just in constant battle and it just like minutes on minutes on minutes of him just straight up fighting these dudes yeah and every single time he takes one of them out it is some like inventive yeah. kill that you were like oh oh god oh god jeez and yeah. like that just makes it a ton of fun to watch <laughs> you're like oh what a sweet man oh my gosh he just did that yeah <laughs> like oh wow yeah but he's so sweet yeah, but yeah, I, it just, I don't know. They did it. They crafted a great main character, I think, um, with what little dialogue and like interaction he did have aside from like his like martial arts and everything. Yeah. Um, I thought they did a great job. So yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it. It was great. Nice. I wonder what the second one's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this movie... It came out at exactly the right time. So, yeah, it did. So, it was made in 2011, and it debuted at the, I think, at the Toronto Film Festival in 2011, mm-hmm. which is then when Sony Pictures Classics decided to distribute it. And so, I first saw it in a theater March 2012. Oh. Yeah. And it was only released, apparently, in, like, 24 theaters or something. I've so, literally like, never heard of this. Yeah. So, one of the theaters 
like the theater that I went to as a kid, like growing up in my area, um, mm-hmm. had this movie, and they had a midnight showing, and so my my brother, his friend, and I went and saw it at a midnight screening. Um, and we thought it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came out at like just the right time for me because I had just been getting into martial arts movies. Like I was, I was, I think it was a, I was, yeah, I was a senior in high school. So I was just getting into martial arts movies. Like I just watched It Man for the first time. Um, and I was like watching as many martial arts movies as I could find on Netflix because like Netflix streaming was getting really big at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I like, I, I saw a trailer for this. And I saw that it was going to be like one of the 24 theaters was literally the one that I go to. So we went and saw it and we were like, that movie was awesome. Like, wow. And I even took some of my friends to go see it after that. And like, you know, I saw it again in the theater because I was was like blown away. Um, And one of my friends that I took to see it uh, that like that day uh he loved it so much and he was like really into martial arts um like he actually knew martial arts he loved it so much that he went and saw it again that same day <laughs> like we saw it in the afternoon wow. and then he went and saw it again at like 10 at night um <laughs> that's awesome he loved it and i remember i remember when i moved into my undergrad like i i was a transfer student in undergrad and so i moved in um summer 2014 mm-hmm. and with my roommates and who I all I like I was already friends with all of them so like you know imagine a like group of guys all living in a house and sometimes we're watching movies and my like first recommendation was like guys we gotta watch this movie Raid Redemption mm-hmm. and that that was like the most fun like all <laughs> of us just sitting in the living room like oh yeah and we're all like cracking up like looking at each other like dude um yeah and uh, the raid two came out um, right before that, and mm-hmm. so I like they knew that there was also the raid two to watch. So like we, it was just a great time. Like we were all just stoked on it. Like oh my god, the raid one was so good. We gotta watch the raid two. Um, yeah, so the raid two did was a sequel. Um, it like came out came out yeah 2014 mm-hmm. uh i think i saw it yeah march 2014 so they they churned out a sequel in two wow. years and i will say the raid 2 might be better than the raid 1 really yeah i wow. love the raid 2 i mean i love the raid 1 but the raid 2 is like mm, wow it's delicious um <laughs> wow like i i think when the raid 2 came out like i was on spring break um and i was taking a trip down the coast of california to visit some friends and the movie like opened that weekend and uh, it was only playing in a handful of theaters and I happened to be in like in LA Mm -hmm. when it was premiering and so I got to catch it there which was really awesome that's awesome um and uh, what else was it I guess yeah I've got some facts about like the making of the movie can I just Um, say before you get into some of the other facts like no movie has ever made me want to get physically fit like this movie has. <laughs> and like I think about there's a scene where Rama and his brother Andy are fighting Mad Dog and they are fighting for a while. Yeah. And there you see the exhaustion and they keep going and they are just like taking these brutal hits. But like 
they just like get back up and keep fighting and i was like i want the stamina to do that like i want that endurance yeah they are they are beasts um the guy that plays mad dog his name's uh yayan ruhyun mm-hmm. um he is a beast i got th- i got notes on him wow um, so he was so cool i was like yeah. oh my gosh what a guy so we didn't really talk about mad dog in your um in your summary of the of the movie but you know it's like andy and mad dog are kind of like you know the lead henchmen but yeah. it's i i like that idea of like these two lead henchmen so much it's because it's like you know, you've got like the big bad, big bad guy, and mm-hmm. then he's got like his two generals. Yeah, you know? and it's like the the brain and the brawn. The brain and the brawn, right? Yeah. And the main character and his brother, who is one of the two generals, like have to fight Mad Dog, mm-hmm. and it takes the two of them in order to get that done. Yeah. And oh, Mad Dog was just like he's so cool. Yeah. Um, and it's also like what I also like about the fact that he named the character mad dog is just like that there is there's kind of like this trend of like lead henchman characters in certain things yeah having the name like mad dog or wild dog um and it just kind of felt like it made it kind of almost feel like a video game Mm -hmm. kind of thing like um there's another action movie that i really like it's a john woo action movie made in 1993 at hong kong called hard boiled Mm -hmm. uh there's a lead henchman in that nasty fellow mm-hmm. his name is mad dog wow. um or like the time crisis games there's mm-hmm. a guy who's like a recurring lead henchman mm-hmm. never the full main bad guy but like a recurring henchman mm-hmm. and he's like wild dog i mean it's you know different name but like it's close enough to acknowledge um, yeah it's like just you know mad dog or wild dog whatever like yeah. you know, i love that was like oh yeah like M- mad dog is the perfect name for this character yeah the crazy thing about mad dog too is like like when you think of a typical like like the if like a you have a henchman who's like the brawn you think of a big or like a big man who's like you know gonna like beat down somebody like mad dog is like the tiniest guy like i was like when he came out i was like that dude has to be like 110 pounds like yeah max. he's like five four or yeah. Something. yeah he's really uh, short and like he's such a like he's so calm and he just like walks up and he's like you know i don't like to use guns let's just use our hands and then he literally just like keeps going and just destroys and like it is wild i'm like oh my gosh how terrifying (laughs) but awesome at the same time yeah so um i'm gonna i'll I'll get into mad dog in a second but i'll just kind of start with my facts um so yeah for most of the movie you know this is probably like the most popular movie to ever come out of indonesia specifically mm-hmm. um for most of the movie the fighters are using uh pencock salat which is the indigenous fighting style of indonesia mm. um all of the swat team members that like are there at the beginning of the movie and then mm-hmm. you know are not at the end um they all went through like a training with the Indonesian spec ops mm. to learn like weapon use and hand signals, mm. which I thought was really funny to read because you were like, when they were doing hand signals, you're like, what do those hand signals even mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, all right, and just a just a couple more pieces of trivia before I really get into the like the actors and stuff. Um, 
the camera turns 180 degrees in a few of the fight sequences, mm. which made it really hard to light the scenes. Mm. So they actually used these lights on these long poles and would just have the lighting crew move with the camera. <laughs> so you just imagine like there's a camera dude and there's like some dudes holding... <laughs> These long light poles yeah. that are like running around the room <laughs> <laughs> as you're fighting. That's funny. Um, the things you do to get the shot. <laughs> right. So after after the movie um, was at the Toronto Film Festival and Sony Pictures Classics decided to distribute it, um, they also brought in uh, two guys to do the score, mm-hmm. um, which was, I think it was Joseph Trapanese who... He's like he's done a lot of different stuff. Like he worked with Daft Punk on the Tron Legacy soundtrack, mm-hmm. um, as well as some other projects. Uh, but also Mike Shinoda, and if you don't know who Mike Shinoda is, he is one of the co-founders of a little band called Lincoln Park. What? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, one of the one of the band members of Lincoln Park like co-scored this movie. How random. That is very random. Um, Okay, anyway, so now for the actual, like, crew. So the guy that directed this movie, his name is Gareth Evans. He's actually a Welsh director. He's not Indonesian. Wait, can I stop you for a second? So was this movie released in Indonesia, like, way before like before and then it just got released again no no it's like it's like a typical like independent film where they take it to a film festival Mm -hmm. and then a distributing company sees it at the film festival and says we're going to distribute this you know in multiple territories okay so uh it was you know it was distributed in 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 indonesia but like if they hadn't taken it to a film festival and sony you know, if Sony didn't notice it and say we want to distribute it, it never would have, I never would have seen it in a theater, right? Yeah. In America. But it, that's what I'm saying. Like, was there, is there like a, was it made in Indonesia and like released in Indonesia and then like in order to get it to America, they had to take it to the no, festival and then that's when all these people no, they just took it stuff to it. To, no, no, they okay. just, they took it to a festival and a lot of the time a distributing company will like choose to distribute and... Like, sometimes the cut that's shown at a film festival isn't even, like, finished, mm. for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost, like, it's a way to say, like, hey, please like distribute my movie. Like, yeah, pitch your movie. Yeah. It's also a way to say, like, you know, here's here's what we've done. And if you throw a little bit more money at it, it can be a little better. Uh, I got you. Which okay. I guess is kind of the situation here. Okay. Um, like, originally the movie was just called The Raid. Yeah. And when they picked it up they were like well we actually can't get the rights to distribute it as the raid so they called it the raid redemption <laughs> um which yeah it's kind of funny which is funny especially because like the raid 2 is just called the raid 2 <laughs> yeah, i was like what's the redemption part of it yeah i don't know is there any redeeming <laughs> the yeah. i was like what it? it just rolls off the tongue um yeah. i mean originally the name was serbuan mat which means like deadly raid in indonesian mm-hmm. um but yeah. they couldn't name the movie Deathly Raid. No, I guess not. The Raid Redemption was alliterative and rolled off the tongue. <laughs> yes, that's my guess. Yeah. So, the guy that directed this movie, Gareth Evans, as I said, he's a Welsh director. He's not Indonesian. Mm-hmm. He. So it's it's just a, it's an interesting story of like how this guy ended up making this movie. So he 
was making kind of like short films and independent films in the 2000s. And then in 2007, he was working as a freelance director. So, you know, he could be hired to do anything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He was hired to direct a Salat documentary, Salat being the martial art that's native to Indonesia. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, he was hired to direct a Salat documentary. And through that experience, like, that's when he, like, he built these relationships with people. He -hmm. grew an appreciation for it. And he's like, why is nobody making like an action movie using Salat? Mm-hmm. And so that's like, that's just kind of how it happened. Wow. Um, that's cool. He just had like a perfect opportunity yeah. and capitalized on it and made like the biggest Indonesian film ever made. Wow. Um, well, I don't know if that's a fact, but um, <laughs> it's the only Indonesian film that I like currently know of, but it's also, there's... There's another point that I'm going to bring up later that's kind of like, oh, it's the first Indonesian film to have this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not there yet. So to win an Oscar? No, no, no. Oh. Um, so Iko Uwais, I think that's how you say his name. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the actor that plays Rama, mm-hmm. the main character. Mm-hmm. He, So he owned a Salat school and he... Um, he like won the national championship for like Salat demonstration in mm-hmm. 2005. Mm-hmm. And in 2007, when Gareth Evans was filming the Salat documentary, he stopped at Eco's school. Mm-hmm. Um, so Eco had a, he had a Salat school. He also was working as a driver for a telecommunications company. That was like his day job. Mm-hmm. And when Gareth Evans met him and was interviewing him and like checking out his school. He was like, um, dude, you should quit your day job and star in movies with me. And that's what they did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so first they made a movie called Marin Tao together mm-hmm. and then they did the raid redemption and then they did the raid too. Wow. And so Yayan Ruhian, who plays mad dog he this man is a beast um so he actually taught salat to the indonesian secret service in 1989 yeah that's awesome (laughs) yeah um and he also the secret service just like new martial arts (laughs) right (laughs) right like our secret service no martial arts i don't i don't know um but he taught yeah he taught the secret service like the people who were protecting the president of indonesia he like led a class like teaching them Salat in 1989 and he he did the same for the military police corps in the early 90s so that's dope he's also known for the use of this like special inner breathing technique yeah which um the the purpose of the inner breathing technique is to basically like be able to withstand any kind of hit and like not really be phased by it. It's almost like a pain suppression technique, which kind of explains like how his character is such a beast in this movie because he takes so many hits, but it seems like it just bounces right off of him. He is literally Gojo. Right. No, yeah. He's right. That like this I mean, that's like a Goku Dragon Ball Z move. Oh my gosh. You know? Like that's that's awesome. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. So he was actually when they made Marin Tao, the first movie that Gareth Evans and uh, Iko Oas did uh, together. 
um, Yaya Ruhion was hired as a fight choreographer for that. And then they also, they needed a guy to play like this, this specific role in that movie. Um, and he ended up auditioning for the role because like they needed somebody that could also fight and act. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he primarily was just fighting, but he could act well enough. And so, yeah, he ended up getting the role, which then led to, you know, him and Gareth Evans continuing to work together. And so they did, he was, so Mad Dog's character dies at the end of the Raid Redemption because um, he's like, you know, the final boss. Mm-hmm. But in the Raid 2, uh, Yayan Ruhian is also in the Raid 2 what? as a completely different character. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, his character has like long hair and like a very long beard mm-hmm. to basically be like, it's not Mad Dog, it's <laughs> this other guy. <laughs> but he has... His character in the raid two has his own like specific fight scene, and it's like it's just massive and awesome. Oh my gosh! Um, so in John Wick three, <clears throat> yeah, have you seen John Wick three? I've seen all the John Wicks. Okay, so so okay, raid one was made twenty twelve or mm-hmm. came out twenty twelve. Raid two came out twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. John Wick one came out after the raid two. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. John Wick three. Mm-hmm. Uh, bef- at the end of the movie, before he takes on the Iron Chef, um, mm-hmm. uh, that Mark Dacascus, um, he, who is like the Iron Chef, mm-hmm. um, who is like the final boss of John Wick three. Mm-hmm. Uh, before he takes on him, he takes on these two lead henchmen, mm-hmm. and both of those lead henchmen are like it's an honor, Mister Wick. Do you remember that part at all? No. Okay, both of those two lead henchmen, one of them is played by Yayan Ruhian, who played Mad Dog in the Raid 1. The other guy was the final boss fight character in the Raid 2. So basically, that part, I like lost it in the movies because I had no idea that these guys were like going to be in this movie. Yeah. But I was like, oh my God, like John Wick is taking, Don- he's taking on the final boss fight characters of the Raid 1 and the Raid 2. There's no way he's still Simultaneously. <laughs> Huh? No, there's no way he should have yeah. won that. <laughs> the, yeah, the final boss fight guy in Raid Two is also just as nasty. It's oh like, my gosh! It's but it's like, oh, this is incredible. Um, yeah, Keanu Reeves cannot be cannot <laughs> beat that. What a lie! Uh, oh, I mean, I love Keanu. Yeah, but like, no way. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so Eco. Iko Iwas and Yayan Ruhian are also briefly in Star Wars Episode Seven. What? Um, but they have zero fight scenes, which I thought was like the weirdest thing. Aww. Yeah, so it's it's really interesting because there's like there's that scene where Rey like kind of meets Han Solo, and Han Solo is running away from like um, some guys that are like bounty hunters, I guess, that are trying to like he he owes mm-hmm. them something, and they're like, "Hey, Solo, you owe us." Mm-hmm. Um, and those two main guys are played by Iko Was and Yayan Ruhian. And it's like what like, what like what are they doing here? I mean, and why are we wasting their potential <laughs> on like this very short scene, you know? I mean, I'm sure the people working on the movie are just like we're just fans. Oh like, yeah, give them I'm, the no. opportunity. I am but sure also, they were like, like we have no reason to have martial arts like <laughs> uh, I know, but in like, this movie. <laughs> so imagine me as a fan. Yeah. 
of Star Wars and yeah. the Raid, <laughs> knowing that these guys were cast in this movie, yeah. I was like, yo, Star Wars Episode 7 is about to be, <laughs> about to be lit. so lit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you guys don't even know the fight sequences are about to be on 10 in Star Wars Episode 7. They would just like and breathe on. And they didn't on. even do anything. They could breathe on Harrison Ford. He'd tip over. Like, what are they going to do? Yeah. They would um, break that man. I mean, they didn't have to be cast as these bounty hunters. They could have been... They could what have been in. They, they could have been in stormtrooper suits or something. In like the stormtroopers do nothing. They could have played the Jedi. The worst. I'm just saying, like they really. It would have been awesome. Suck. I know. You watch it. Like when I sit and I watch these movies over again, I'm like, stormtroopers suck. Yeah, but they there is a cool. Trash. There is a cool fight sequence in Episode Seven where Finn has a fight with a stormtrooper, mm-hmm. and the stormtroopers like traitor. And, um, like, I don't, you know, maybe, maybe they tapped the potential of those guys for, like, some fight choreography on that part. But, like, I don't know. I just wish they'd done more with that. Anyway, <laughs> moving along. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this movie kind of became, like, a gold standard for hardcore action movies after it was released. So, <laughs> to the, to the point where, um... When they were making Michael Bay Ninja Turtles. Oh my gosh. Um, the producers in interviews were like, oh yeah, it's going to be so awesome. We're going to have raid-like fight scenes. And I remember reading that and being like, yo, the new Ninja Turtles is about to be lit. <laughs> <laughs> Which could not have been farther from the truth. Like, it just did not end up being that. Like, why did he set himself up for that? I know. Like, why would he make a statement, like, claim? Like, that's too strong of a claim. It's too strong of a claim, yeah. But, like, you know, as a fan of Ninja Turtles and a fan of the raid, and you know how intense the raid is, somebody says, like, yeah, we're going to have, like, raid, like, fight scenes in Ninja Turtles. I bet you. Stoked. I bet you after that interview, he was like, why did I say that? (laughs) I regret everything. Can you cut that out? That just, like. Can that be off the record? uh, Yeah. Anyway, to uh, give this, send this uh, whole thing to fruition from what I was saying earlier, um, the first Indonesian film to, so this is the first Indonesian film to have an American remake in development. Mm. So, like, you know, some foreign films will get made and Mm. Americans will... See ruin that foreign them. film and ruin them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they'll adapt their own version, like Old Boy, for example. And like, it why? just sucks. And it's like, why are we doing this? Right. Um, but if this American remake ever does actually get made, it'll be the first Indonesian film to be remade in America. Um, now, this American remake has basically been in development hell since it was first announced. And it was announced very 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 long ago so it's actually quite interesting um gareth evans actually sold the rights to the american made adaptation of the raid one to help fund the making of the raid two so did you catch all that yeah yeah so like that that's like a huge gamble Mm -hmm. um but clearly i think it paid off because the raid 2 is awesome Mm -hmm. um the raid like the whole point like the raid 1 was made on like a very limited budget like they had to keep it small and tight and simple the Mm -hmm. raid 2 is like you know 
bigger. they just had a, they, they had a bigger budget. There's more yeah. story going on, all of that. Yeah. Um. So I think it paid off because, like, yeah, he sold the rights to an American-made like adaptation of the first one to get the second one out, mm-hmm. and nobody wants to see a remake of the first one get made in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, and it hasn't been made yet, which I think, mm-hmm. like, you know. Uh, speaks to that mm-hmm. um however it like apparently it's still in development like it's still it's in pre-production it's supposed to be directed and written by the guy that directed the expendables 3 and the hitman's bodyguard okay which, no yeah right 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 <laughs> we don't want it so many different actors have been in talks to like star in this movie like taylor kitsch they um who was that yeah exactly um (laughs) he's he's an actor um taylor taylor kitsch and like multiple other people the the most the one that stands out as like me remembering it when i read it the most was like taylor kitsch and i was like if they put taylor kitsch in this movie uh he uh he played um what's it called john mars uh the the oh my god what was that movie called i'm looking it up right now um the movie where the guy goes to the the guy goes to Mars. John Carter. Do you remember John Carter? No. Well, never mind. Let me see his face. Um, he was the lead character in Battleship. Okay, that. I have. I literally have never seen that man a day yeah, in my life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is. Um, kind of speaks to like, yeah. If Taylor Kitsch was in this movie, would not want to see it. <laughs> Um, Sorry to that man. <laughs> apparently, uh, both of the Hemsworth brothers no. were, yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, nobody wants to see this movie get made, but no. there's a director attached. And Is, the, are they supposed to do martial arts? Apparently, I don't. Oh yeah, so like Gareth Evans is attached as an executive producer, um, and they said that they would want like the fight choreographers from the original film to be involved with the making of this movie but like i don't know like it just doesn't need to be made yeah. you know i mean if there's like a serious opportunity for money to be made there and it like for it to benefit the people that made the original movie which like you know didn't make a ton of money um then great but like eh, i don't know um i'd rather just see the raid three get made and for that to like make a lot of money yeah why do we need we don't it. because like honestly i feel like the raid was like if you combined the warriors with john wick right that's what it was right we already have that yeah we don't need and um dread like uh, like that. the judge dread movie i've never seen that i don't know what yeah it, it came out and it it also came out in 2012 mm-hmm. um judge dread was like a comic book t- comic book character mm. um that got a live action well it did have a live action movie in like the 80s mm-hmm. that starred sylvester stallone mm-hmm. as judge dread mm-hmm. um but then carl urban the guy that plays butcher in the boys mm-hmm. um he played judge dread in dread which came out in 2012 which was about like judge dread taking down this like drug warlord at the top of a building mm-hmm. it was not that act was legitimate coincidence yeah. um like because they they both came out the same year and with yeah. just like the, the timing and everything like it just wouldn't isn't that so weird when things like that happen possible. yeah but but like whenever the discussion of like an american made mm-hmm. raid movie adaptation is brought up people are just like 
we already have one. It's called Dread. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, perfect, because it's not even trying to be that. And it's yeah. its own thing. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, the movie's still in development. There's that guy. That director is attached. There's also another... And that guy's also attached as a as a writer, but there's also another co-director, co-writer attached, um, who's this guy that did a handful of like not so great looking action films out of India. Mm. Um, but as of January 2022, Michael Bay is now attached as a producer, <laughs> and supposedly it's going to premiere on Netflix whenever it gets made. No. No to all of those things. Yeah. All of the above. I agree. No to all of those things. But anyway, um, that's everything I've got on The Raid Redemption. Wow. The Raid 2, whenever you are ready for it, I'm down. Yeah, now I'm curious if you say that you like it better than the first one. Yeah, I mean, I've, I have a feeling like you might like the first one more because you like the simplicity of the setting. Mm. And there's multiple different settings mm-hmm. in the raid too like mm-hmm. like i said there's just like more story there's more to follow mm-hmm. but the the at like it's it's just everything is just like, yeah they took it to 11 you know i mean i don't mind more story if it's good if it's like mission impossible no no no, no. it's not it's- like it's not like that like it's still like the fight sequences are still like grounded yeah you know? yeah then yeah yeah and you're you're still following rama on yeah his, and then, it takes yeah. place immediately after this movie then yeah then i'm sure i'll love it okay i mean i i love it it's great <laughs> yeah there there are some sequences in the rate two where i'm like yo what? i'm dead <laughs> that you said a mad dog's in it but with a beard and longer <laughs> hair that's so funny yeah no you know, that's hilarious you know, i was confused when i first like, saw it i that? was like oh. <laughs> I was like, well, I I immediately know that that's Mad Dog, um, but you're telling me that this is some other guy. Okay. You're telling me that's Mad Cat? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, he's playing Mad Cat. Excuse me? No, his character has a completely different name. That's so funny. That's hilarious. But his character is equally as da- equally as dangerous in the second one. Oh yeah, I I will pretend that I know. I have never seen that man in my life. Right. Meanwhile, in John Wick 3, his character's... So, well, yeah, in, in the Raid 1, he's Mad Dog. In the Raid 2, he's Prakoso. Mm. And then in John Wick 3, he plays Shinobi Number 2. I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, I've seen all the John Wicks, but they kind of blend together. So I don't... The only thing I remember from the third one was Holly Berry and her dogs. Mm, right. So I need to, like, sit down and rewatch them all. Well, anyway, um, yeah, I mean, both Yayan Ruhian and Iko Uwas have, like, gone on to make more action movies, which is great. Um, That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. I, like, I want to see Iko in more stuff, because um, he did this, like, Netflix show called Woo Assassins, mm-hmm. and it was not very good, mm-hmm. and then they made a movie based on Wu Assassins that was also on Netflix. I haven't watched it, but it does not look very good. Yikes. Uh, there's a picture for you. Oh, I've seen that. You've seen it or you've seen the poster? I mean, I've seen the poster. Yeah. Yep. Um, but... He's so cute. Oh, 
Nice. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I like I'm looking at his IMDb right now. I have seen most of his movies. Nice. He, he hasn't made very many. Yeah. One movie I really want to watch is uh, Triple Threat. It's him, Tony Jaa, and uh, Tiger Chen. Mm. Triple Threat. And Scott Adkins is in it. And Michael Jai White, the guy that plays Black Dynamite. Oh. I was like, I don't know any other people you listed. <laughs> That's okay. Tiger Chen is in Man of Tai Chi, which mm. uh, Iko is also briefly in that movie. Um, but Man of Tai Chi, uh, Keanu Reeves plays a villain. What? Keanu? Yeah. I plan to assign that to you. That's on my list of martial arts movies to assign you at some point. Keanu can never be a villain. I would never believe it. Yeah, no, he's a, he's like a mean guy. Is he like good as a mean guy? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it believable? Uh, I mean, yeah, he looks mad, but it's just like he looks mad. It's just like I <laughs> well, would that's not always have, his like face. I wouldn't have cast him for that role. Yeah, but wait a minute, I need to double check something. He'd be like, I'm the villain. I'm also like, wait, Man of Tai Chi might have been directed by Keanu. What? Yes, it was. How random. Yeah. Man of Tai Chi, directed by Keanu Reeves, where he plays the main bad guy. You know, Keanu's just out here living his best life, and I love that for him. Yeah. He deserves everything in life. Anyway, anything else for the raid? Nope. That's all I got. Let's do our assignments. Let's wrap this up. Do you want to go first? Sure. So... My assignment this week, I'm doing a comedy. Now, you're going back to school Mm -hmm. next week. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I would do a, uh, like a teen comedy takes place, you know, with high school and stuff like that. Hmm. So I'm assigning you The New Guy. Have you ever heard of it? No. It came out like 2000, 2001. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, teen teen comedy. The new guy who's in that? Eliza Dushku. <laughs> we love assigning movies that have Eliza Dushku in them. She is in everything. Like she's been in like four movies that we've assigned this year. <laughs> we love her. I mean, she was the the girl of the early two thousands. I feel like. Yep, she's in this. Nice. I cannot. I think Zoe Deschanel is in it, but. I think that's Zoe Deschanel, but she's not like a she's not like a lead. Yeah. Uh, the 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 main guy, the guy, the like the the new guy in question is um, he was on Breaking Bad for like one episode. His name's DJ Qualls. <laughs> DJ Qualls, this guy. What? Oh, oh my gosh! Okay, he was in this movie called Lone Star State of Mind. I think is what it's called. Okay, and it's the dumbest movie ever but it was like my parents favorite movie for a while and like i cannot get his like because they had like country accents and his accent is just like permanently embedded in my head because they've watched that movie so many times okay um eddie griffin is also in the new guy who's eddie griffin eddie griffin you know eddie griffin he was uh undercover brother oh yeah i didn't know that was his name (laughs) that's okay i just drew his face yeah I love Undercover Brother. <laughs> <laughs> Same. I haven't watched that movie in so long. I know. It's been I've minute. seen it so many times. I know. I know. <laughs> it's so silly. Um, okay, cool. Well, since you're giving me a comedy, uh, 
and it's been a minute since I've given you something serious, I am going to give you law-abiding citizen. Law-abiding citizen. I still have not seen this. Yep. Yep. I was watching a freaking Jamie Foxx movie. I was trying to watch They Clone Tyrone. I need to like restart it because I was not keeping up and it was weird. <laughs> it, it seemed weird from yeah. the brief clip I caught. Yeah. But I was sitting there like, man, I love me some Jamie Foxx. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's do Law Abiding Citizen. All right, cool. So, yeah. So, let's see. Next week, we will be doing The New Guy and Law Abiding <laughs> Citizen. That's so different. That, that, no, that feels like a good combo to me. I, I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us for this episode. And we'll catch you next week for that. Yeah, sounds good. Hope you enjoyed it. Bye. Bye.